Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Coming up in tonight's Final View, some very exciting, big, breaking news for you at home and for Point of View as well. Please stick around. Some pretty, pretty exciting stuff. But I want to start tonight with the no deal at the NOCO summit. Now, early this morning, talks between President Trump and Chairman Kim, Kim Jong-un. They ended abruptly. President Trump held a presser a couple hours early. At the press conference, he said, hey, I wanted to do the right deal, not a rushed deal. He said uh, Kim offered up one of their main nuclear facilities. They were going to sort of give that up if the U.S. completely removed all sanctions that are right now obviously crippling that country's economy. President Trump said, nah, no deal. He said, hey, you got to be able to walk away. That's the art of the deal. You got to be able to walk away. So uh, North Korea has since come out and disputed President Trump's comments saying that they were willing to shut down their main nuclear complex for partial sanctions release. I obviously was not in the room. I don't want to get into the minutia of these details tonight. The thing I want to talk about tonight is this is where do we go from here and is there a realistic real opportunity for total denuclearization of North Korea and I ask the question because I want you to I want to also ask you this when you think about Chairman Kim what does Chairman Kim want more than anything else now keep in mind this guy is an evil dictator his family has been, been evil dictators for generations upon generations so what do dictators want more than anything else they want power that's what this whole deal is really about obviously for chairman kim they've been ruling this country as dictators with an iron fist now for decades and what is the one main single thing that ensures that chairman kim is going to keep himself in power that is his nuclear capabilities that is the idea of him to have nuclear options. I look at it this way. If you think about uh, Chairman Kim having nukes, it's sort of like his suicide vest, if you will. I hate to put it that way, but he's like, look, you want to come in and take me out? Fine, but y'all are going down with me. I got to believe that's his mindset. And the other part of the situation with Trump, whether these two, President Trump and Chairman Kim, have now, <laughs> as President Trump says, have fallen in love with each other or not. Chairman Kim knows, look, Trump's only temporary. Trump is only there maximum until 2024. And I bring this up because when you think about the fact of what's happened in the past and what the U.S. has done with dictators, I want to give you a couple examples tonight. I think this solidifies, at least in my opinion, the idea is Chairman Kim honestly considering total denuclearization or not. I know he said that for the first time probably ever talking to the open press. He was asked, hey, are you open to denuclearize? And he basically said, if I wasn't, I wouldn't be here. But again, should we trust Chairman Kim or not? Let's go back to a moment now when you think about dictators in the past and what's taken place. Prime example, and I got to believe Chairman Kim knows this history and is thinking about the same thing. When you think about dictator and gangster Gaddafi from Libya, we went into him and said, hey, look, give up your mass weapons of destruction. You know, go ahead, do that. We don't want any regime change in Libya. We all know what's happened now in Libya. Gaddafi's done, and Libya is a total mess. It has become like a terrorist haven. Then you look at how we're intervening right now in Venezuela. I think that's another opportunity for Chairman Kim to look at and go, yeah, you know what? Uh, I don't know if I really can believe that even if I give up all my nukes, is this thing going to last? Am I going to indefinitely be able to give up my nukes and ensure that I can continue to be the dictator of North Korea. So I bring all this up because 
when you think about Pakistan, you think about India, you think about all the other countries, Russia, countries out there that have nuclear weapons, and I know this is going to sound crazy to some of you, but in a moment you're going to see Congressman Colin Peterson out of Minnesota kind of suggesting the same thing. President Trump has often said, hey, Kim's a good guy. I'm going to show you some examples in a moment. Jeremy Kim's a good guy. As he said, they, they fell in love. If that is indeed true, should we look at the possibility of living in a world with a nuclearized North Korea? Just want to put that out there and give your point of view. I'm going to give you some examples of President Trump complimenting Chairman Kim about how basically good of a guy he is. Here's President Trump earlier today at the presser from Vietnam. Just left Chairman Kim. We had a really, uh, I think, a very productive time. We thought, and I thought, and Secretary Pompeo felt that it wasn't a good thing to be signing anything. I'm going to let Mike speak about it. But we literally just left. We spent pretty much all day with uh, Kim Jong-un, who is, uh, he's quite a guy and quite a character. And uh, I think our relationship is very strong. He's quite a guy and quite a character. President Trump also said today in that press conference, he did not believe that Chairman Kim was fully involved, fully knowledgeable about the deadly treatment, the torture of American Otto Wambier. So again, I, I bring up this context when, hey, you've got President Trump saying, hey, this guy's not that bad of a guy. If that's the case, then do you let the guy have nukes? Realizing, that, hey, if he's not a bad guy, he's probably not going to use them against us. I know that sounds crazy to us, but I'm using the context that President Trump is using. I want to remind you this. This is from September 30th, 2018 at a rally in West Virginia. <laughs> I don't know if I should laugh or what I should do here, but this is what President Trump said at the rally. When I did it, and I was really being tough, and so was he, and we were going back and forth, and then we fell in love, okay? No, really. He wrote me beautiful letters, and they're great letters. We fell in love. I don't know if that should make you laugh or cry. Then we fell in love. He wrote me beautiful letters. <laughs> so I bring all this up because back in uh, 2017, we had Minnesota Congressman Colin Peterson right here on Point of View, and I was asking him some questions. This is when the, the rhetoric was really tough, and it was, hey, we're going to blow you up, and little rocket man. And In fact, it was uh, shortly after the U.N. speech when President Trump called him <laughs> little rocket man at the UN, which I think stunned everybody. But here's what Congressman Peterson said in part of our conversation. So you're saying, hey, Chris, we may have to just live with the fact that right now we're going to have a nuclearized well, North I, I, Korea. What are you going to do about it? I mean, you know, we've well, we put all the sanctions on. He just said the face of the earth. He just said wipe Well, them off but the face. that's if they actually use them, if they actually, you know, I mean, they're shooting off rockets and that sort of thing, you know. So there's Congressman Peterson going, hey, what are you going to do? The guy's got him. What are you going to do at this point? We know he wants to hold power, meaning Chairman Kim. President Trump says they fell in love. He's a good guy, apparently. So I just put it out there. Is there a possibility? Is it a reality to think, hey, you know what? Maybe we live with a nuclearized North Korea. I know that might sound nuts, but we're doing it with a lot of other countries as well that I think are much more arch enemies to us than North Korea. All right, speaking about Minnesota and Congressman Peterson, Minnesota put out their budget forecast today. Came in just a measly half a billion dollars short. Half a billion dollars short of what they expected. Many people are saying because of slower economic growth, the revenue numbers are down. 
And yet, with revenue numbers down, Governor Walls, Minnesota Governor Tim Walls, is still wants to move forward with his big spending budget as well as the 20 cent gas tax. And I want to share something that he said after the forecast came out. And as I share this with you, I want you to think about it in the context of Enbridge Line 3. Many of us here in greater Minnesota are familiar with Enbridge Line 3. Let me remind you, this would be a $3 billion, a $3 billion private infrastructure investment right here in greater Minnesota. And yet Governor Walls, seeing that the forecast revenue numbers are down, said this about publicly funded infrastructure items. Said, hey, one of the best firewalls against the downturn in the economy, obviously, is investments in infrastructure. <laughs> but that would be taxpayer dollars. Those are jobs in our communities. Those are disposable incomes in our communities. Those are the things that increase growth. And yet, he's talking about all these you know, taxpayer-funded uh, infrastructure projects, and yet, right now, his administration is suing the state, so it's one hand suing the other, over a private investment in Edinburgh Lines 3 of $3 billion. If that makes any sense to you, please share your point of view with us because it doesn't make sense to me. All right, a little bit closer to home here uh, in North Dakota, if you will. There's a lot of conversation right now about what's been happening with constitutional um, measures, if you will, where the people of North Dakota can go out and they can use initiated measures to change the actual constitution within North Dakota. I ask this to you because many, or share this with you, because many people remember the story about Benjamin Franklin when he walked out of the Constitutional Convention. There's the old story about one of the women standing there going, hey, what did you give us? What did you give us? And Ben Franklin goes, a republic. That is if you can keep it. A republic, my folks, is what we live in. We live in a uh, constitutional republic, a democratic republic. The point of being a republic is so that mob doesn't rule. If you live in a true democracy, that's where mob can rule. So I want to bring in tonight uh, the executive director of the North Dakota Watchdog Network, Dustin Goverlow. He's a proponent of these initiated measures and changing the Constitution. And i got to start with, basically, why? Why? Well, you know, getting to what you were talking about, republic versus democracy, our form of government is a republic, but the way we pick that government is democracy. There, democracy is not a type of government That's in the true. American system. Look it's at our just, president. Well, the Electoral if College we, is, we is a form your, of elect, your idea, representative democracy. If we used your idea, Hillary Clinton would be pre president right now, correct? Well, if you go with popular vote, but that's not the system that we but have. But that's, that's what initiated measure is. Initiated measure is basically, hey, if you can get 50 plus one, then we can change the Constitution. Sure, sure. but That's that, a popular vote. But, but if you want to compare apples to apples, the current Electoral College system is what we have, and the current constitutional measure system in North Dakota is what we have. So if you don't want to change what we have nationally, why change what we have locally? Because that's the point. The founders created a republic, as Ben Franklin just said, not a democracy. The problem with a democracy is now you have mob rule, which is what's happening right now with this ethics situation. They brought in and paid people to go out and get signatures, 260 grand. Then they have a bunch of Hollywood money to come in and change North Dakota. You're okay with that? The founders of North Dakota put in Article 3 into our state constitution to protect the people and allow them to be the fourth branch of government in North Dakota. And so because they know that the best way to keep legislators honest and in tune with the people is to allow the people to set a framework for legislators, you know, you have to have a way for the people to actually set the rules for lawmakers. Lawmakers shouldn't be setting their own rules. The public, we the people, should be doing that. That's why we elect them. Well, and, and getting back to that, you've got, why is it that the very Republicans that are elected in a supermajority state like North Dakota 
have such a problem with the very voters who put them in. Why are the voters being misguided on because we the ballot measures and not on the candidates themselves? It's not a matter of pure versus not pure. We, we have a, a hybrid system in America and in North Dakota. Not, not according to the initiated measure process in North Dakota. It is a pure democratic system. Correct me that if I'm wrong. That part is, yes. And that's what I'm saying. So you're talking about it's okay to have a mob rule system in place that allows us to change the actual constitution of our state. It, it's worked for a hundred years, and aren't states supposed to be incubators of innovation? Marijuana. It, marijuana passed at the the medical marijuana side of it uh, passed. Yeah, you know, 65 percent. The recreational did not. But the fact that the the people that pushed it did not have a fully uh, vetted language does not mean make the process harder. We have a bill in session right now that would give the public the access to legislative council so they can draft better measures in the first place. That's the real solution is to give the public and the people that are doing these measures more tools to have better laws. When, when legislators get things drafted, the first draft is never perfect either. You often hear about legislators who so we've had so we've had problems here with heroin right and fentanyl in this in this state correct so yeah. you're telling me that if 50 plus one came in and said okay we want to put in the constitution that fentanyl and heroin should be legal you're telling me that should be okay I don't want to discuss the particular issues I want to discuss the actual process and and whether or not the, you agree with one issue in particular sh should not be a determination of whether the process should be made so difficult that nobody can use it. But let's back up to what's happening in this ethics commission. Even Marcy's law, I mean, that was mm -hmm. a bunch of out-of-state money that created this idea, you know, just like Bernie Sanders. A bunch of out-of-state so money that used a Republican consultant to get it on the ballot and Republican this isn't leaders about party, that's my point. This is about principle. It is principle. very much about party, actually, it's because it's, this is it's about Republicans principle. that are attacking the process in North Dakota. Because it's not what this country was founded on. It's a state, not the country. The, the state, the, the folks that were in charge of North Dakota... You're not answering my question. So you're okay with the fact that a bunch of out-of-state out money paid people to go sign things, okay, and then they used that money also in advertising to go and create no, laws? No, no, and in 2017, I had a, a bill introduced... Wait, wait, what are you saying no to? Out-of-state money having control. We had a bill in place last session that was voted down by the Senate that said that out-of-state money should be dollar for dollar with in-state money in order to balance things out. The legislature said no to that. Every time we've asked the legislature to do something about it, they say no. They want to complain about out-of-state money, but they don't want to do anything about it. But you're, you're talking about for, for initiated measures initiated to change measures. the Constitution. It, just the overall side of it, initiated or constitutional. We've had measures debated okay, so to address the out-of-state money, but they say and no. We need to wrap this up, but what I'm saying, so you just said, hey, Chris, in 2017, I did create a system that I did want to change this process that is in the Constitution, so that it was dollar for dollar for the money, correct? Yeah, on why the campaign you, why, finance why side Why would you do it. that? Why would you do that? Because that was the issue that they, the... No, why would you do that? Because why would, you just told me that it's fine, because that's the way the state has it for 100 years. Campaign finance is a separate issue than, than the actual ballot <laughs> measures. It's, it's, there's many facets to the public policy decision. So do you think the Ethics Commission and Marcy's Law would have passed in North Dakota without that money? No. That's my point. All right. Anything, I'm going to give you the last <laughs> word. Wrap it up, man. There's plenty of candidates that wouldn't get elected without the money from out of state as well. But, but that's... Candidates and constitutional changes are two totally different things to there me. Are, but it is a very good debate. And my, I think you agree mob can rule. I would say mob doesn't rule. 
difference of opinion. Let, we agree let the to people disagree. speak on it. Very fair. We appreciate the insight and the conversation.